Isn't that beautiful? Incredible video. Everything the enemy had on us, everything that we'd ever done that could separate us from God was put on the cross. And then in Jesus' death, it was obliterated and replaced with alive, replaced with all the gifts of the Spirit, replaced with kingdom life, replaced with joy. Uh, praise God. Amen. It's uh, all about what he did for us on the cross. Amen. Amen. Before I start, oh, I'm Greg. I'm a teaching pastor here, and it's really good to see you all here this wonderful morning. I'm glad you braved the construction. Um, I want to start with just a word of prayer and uh, about the message, but also about what's going on in Milwaukee. I don't know if you know about this or not yet, but uh, there was a, another police shooting of an African-American. We don't know anything about it. The video's not even out yet, but it resulted in uh, something of a riot. Uh, some businesses were burned down, some uh, police stations and some police cars were burned. And uh, I just think it appropriate for us, the people of God, called to be intercessors, to just pray uh, for Milwaukee. And it, it's a reflection of, what's, of this country. Uh, right now, um, we're all kind of sitting on a tinderbox. And it can take just a little thing, or a big thing, to light it. And um, this is just the tip of an iceberg that goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. A beast that we've been feeding from the time America was first conquered. Um, and our, our call as kingdom people is to manifest, we just saw in the video, the one new humanity that Jesus died for, amen? Uh, to, to live out the reality that disunity has, in principle, been destroyed in Christ. And all divisions and all walls have been torn down in Christ. Uh, by his death, he has created one new humanity, uh, made out of all the divisions one. And our job is to live that out and to proclaim it. And so let's commit ourselves to that and not get sucked into the venom of the beast, which is right now fracturing this country in a million different ways, uh, and rather commit to living in the peace that we find in Christ, the unity that we find in Christ, the love that we find in Christ, the togetherness that we find in Christ. Amen? Amen. And uh, intercede on behalf of, of, of Milwaukee. Father, uh, our heart grieves uh, for the state of things in Milwaukee and throughout this country. This is not the humanity that you had in mind. Uh, with all these diabolical divisions and oppression and injustice and violence, uh, our heart breaks. And uh, we, we empathize with those who are uh, feeling stamped, stamped out and, and, and oppressed. Uh, our heart empathizes with all those in, parties involved here. And we just intercede on behalf of them and pray, God, will you do what only you can do and send peace where there is no peace. Bring your shalom where there's conflict and hatred. Bring your reconciliation where there are divisions and where there are judgments, Lord God. Uh, Lord, we pray that you give the leaders in Milwaukee uh, wisdom to know the ways that make for peace. Uh, and, and Father, uh, we pray that you bring healing to Milwaukee and throughout this land. Father, you told us, if, 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 we, we, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then they will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. We need healing throughout this land. Uh, Lord God, under the bondage of the principalities and powers that our sin has been feeding for centuries, Lord God, people are suffering. And, and so we, we intercede on, on their behalf and pray you bring that an end. And Lord God, minimize the violence and, and, and uh, minimize the, the folks being harmed there. And somehow, somehow turn this to your kingdom advantage. 
and begin to reverse this. We pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, help us to commit to living out the truth and the beauty, the magnificence of what you did on Calvary in every way, shape, and form. But especially, Lord, this one new humanity, Lord God, help us to live in ways that cross racial divides and that manifest uh, a revolt against the powers that privilege some over others, Lord God. Help us to manifest in our own life and all of our relationships the reality that you have created on the cross. And now, Father, for this message, I pray, Lord, that you open our hearts and minds to receive this, something we desperately need. And uh, God, just bring your kingdom. Bring your kingdom. Whatever that looks like. If it looks like conviction, bring it. If it looks like encouragement, bring it. If it looks like just information, bring it. If it looks like transformation, bring it, Lord. Just bring it. Pour out your spirit on us. As you've been here throughout the worship service, double portion that right here and right now, that your kingdom would go forth in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right. All right. Are you guys ready to get your Pentecostal on? You sound kind of Pentecostal this morning. Because we're going to be talking about the charismatic gifts. The charismatic gifts. Now, there's several lists of gifts in the New Testament. And no two of them are exactly alike. Um, But this is a special category that uh, Paul uses the word charisma when he talks about these gifts. They're manifestations of the Spirit. They're spiritually empowered gifts. Charisma, that's why they're called charismatic gifts. Um, And they're not at all based on our personalities or our aptitudes, like the gift of teaching or hospitality. Uh, These are just gifts that the Spirit wants to give to the church through each one of us. He gives us gifts to give away. And uh, yeah, they're supernatural. So uh, they're found in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll first read this passage, and then I'll briefly describe and illustrate each of the gifts, and then we'll get into some uh, teachings that, that surround this matter. So Paul says this, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Just lock that in. Uh, the, the purpose of the gifts, whether used in a public way, is for the common good. They're not for the person who has the gift to enjoy. They're not to be used in a self-indulgent way. The, the gift is to the church. All right? So they all have to be used in ways that promote the common good, that build up the church, that strengthen and encourage people. Now, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. And to another is given a message of knowledge by, this, by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Um, to another, the gift of, of, of healing by that one spirit. And to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Those folks, that, those are the charismatic gifts. Uh, I'll just go through them real briefly. The gift of wisdom, or the message of wisdom. This is just when a person receives from the Spirit uh, a, a piece of wisdom that isn't their own creation. Uh, when they get an idea about how to move forward or how to resolve an issue, um, that is a message of, of wisdom. Uh, when we were uh, looking for a church building back in the late 90s, uh, looking at all these different possibilities, and at one point, one of the people on the search committee, my, my friend Lyle, um, he, said, he, he said, you know, I drove by that building uh, in Maplewood, uh, that Shopper City building, and I, I think we should take a look at that. I think we're supposed to take a look at that. 
And I said, dude, I looked at that like two years ago, and they want $7 million for that. Our auditor said that we could probably raise three to 400000 so it's a little out of our league. He says, uh, he said, I really think we're supposed to at least take another look at that. Now, it turns out, looking back on it, that was a word of wisdom. That was a word of wisdom. It's about how to move forward, you know, given possibilities, which one should we take? And when you get a message of wisdom, it's a wisdom that goes beyond yourself. It's, it, it's not just your own creation. I know Lyle, he's not that bright. This was way beyond his, his normal capacity. Gotcha, Lyle. <laughs> uh, we're always insulting you. Okay, then there's a, uh, a message of knowledge. And a message of knowledge is just a piece of knowledge that you're given by the Spirit that goes beyond what you know. You didn't learn this on your own. God just gives you, a, and it's for the, the furthering of the church, the furthering of the kingdom, the building up of the body. So shortly after Lyle got that, had that word of wisdom, uh, Janice, our executive pastor, got a word of knowledge. And God's used her in some pretty spectacular ways in that gift, a word of knowledge. We were praying a uh, few days after Lyle had given that word. And uh, uh, Janice got this weird picture. She always gets weird pictures. This one was uh, of this like concentric circles. It looked like, kind of like a target. But there's just like concentric circles like this. And then there was an arrow that didn't go into this target. It was just laying on it. And it was pointing at a particular spot on one of these rings. And her sense was that we're supposed to pay close attention to the location, to what, what, what this arrow's pointing to. And she even drew it on this drawing board. She goes, the arrow's right here. And we're supposed to pay attention to that. Now, that made no sense to anybody. We're supposed to sit here and look at this target with this silly arrow pointing at one of the circles. Uh, we didn't know what it meant. But a few days after that, uh, we're hanging around the church office. It was back there on Roseland, uh, Roseland Avenue. And someone, we don't know who, but someone had left out this big map of the Twin Cities. It's a really big map, and it was laid on this table. And it had concentric circles going out from the capital um, and, and going out into the suburbs. And... Some of us were with Janice when she saw that. She goes, what is that? And, and she says, that's what I saw in, that, in my vision. That, those are the concentric circles I'm talking about. And then she puts her finger where that arrow was pointing. And we didn't know it at that moment, but we went and checked it out, and it was this building. Wow. So that's kind of a cool confirmation. <laughs> this is how these gifts can work together. Word of knowledge. You just kind of get a sense that you know something. Now, it doesn't mean, when, when, you, when you get a sense about moving into the future or a knowledge about some things, it doesn't mean that that's necessarily going to happen uh, because there's a lot of variables that are at play and bring about what happens in the future. But it means that right now you're supposed to march in that direction. It's just marching orders. Then he talks about a gift of faith, a message of or, 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 this spirit-inspired faith. We all have to have faith just to be in relationship with Christ. But this is a... a, a exceptional kind of a faith. It is believing, having a confidence about something that's going to come to pass, even though maybe all appearances suggest otherwise. It's an ability, a confidence to believe against the odds. And I think I was given this gift during this period of time. Because after that arrow thing, I was really confident that we were going to get this building. Now, all the odds were stacked against us. And actually, it is not my natural aptitude to be optimistic about things. I tend to, I'd much rather be surprised than disappointed. I hate that. And so I, 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 I tend to undersell things and like, well, probably not. Or I tend to be skeptical. But I had this confidence. I wasn't certain. But, but there was this yesness in my spirit about this, the acquiring of this building. The odds were against us. $7 million. We can't raise, we have about one-fourteenth of that. Although it turned out that they had lowered the price to $4 million by this point, which was 
still pretty unreachable. Uh, and we, we would have to get the city council to vote. Uh, four out of five votes had to be affirmative to take this building off of the tax roll. And there was, we had this idea that, that we would make uh, a Kmart, which owned this building, uh, a deal. Um, they would save a bunch of money on the mortgage here by getting rid of it. And so we said, well, will we put in $2 million and then we'll raise $2 million. Still, we didn't know where we we're going to get this $2 million. But we said, we'll give two if you give two and then we'll take that off the tax roll and, and you'll save money. And they would have. But there was this guy who was a butthead of unsurpassable worth. He, was a, a, <laughs> he just wouldn't do it. He just wouldn't budge. Even though it made sense. He goes, oh, the cash flow. He, he would just ignore us. And, and so we had to pray and pray and pray uh, to get this obstacle removed. Uh, and and um, so the, the odds were against us. But I had a confidence about that. That's the, the gift of faith. And then Paul talks about miraculous powers. And th this is just any kind of supernatural display that's other than healing. Uh, healing, he sees as a distinct gift. But the gift of miraculous powers. Um, like when Jesus turns water into wine, or when he multiplies the loaves and the fishes. And I've never actually seen one of those, although I have uh, read uh, some really good documented examples of this. Uh, if you're interested in checking this out, I, my friend Craig Keener wrote a book called Miracles. It's got two volumes. And in the second volume, he deals a lot with these sorts of miracles. Uh, and, and he's a historian, so he, he checks out the documentation. And some of them are just like multiple, multiple eyewitnesses have seen loaves and fishes or any kind of food multiplied and things like that. That's miraculous powers. Uh, you know, we prayed, and I don't know if this would fall under this category, but, but we prayed, and that guy got removed. That, that guy, that butt of unspecified worth, he got removed. And um, I, I don't know whether he died, I hope not, or he got uh, fired, or maybe got promoted, who, who knows. But he, all of a sudden he's gone, and a new guy is in his place, and this guy happens to come from this area, and he knows Woodland Hills, and he likes Woodland Hills, and so the first day on the job, he says, you got a deal. Uh, and, and so they put in $2 million, yes. That's kind of a miracle. And then uh, we, we did four out of five votes, and four, four uh, people on the council were new. And the one person who was a carryover from the old council had already told us he's going to vote against us. So we needed a unanimous yes from all four new people. They didn't know us, and we didn't know them, but we prayed, and we got all four to agree with this. And that's kind of how we got this building. And that's... I, that could maybe call, be called a miraculous uh, example of miraculous power. And then somebody didn't even go to the church, ends up giving us a half million dollars. And through that and some other miraculous means, we end up getting the two million. And voila, it happens. Uh, so this is how the gifts can work together. All right? Uh, the gift of healing. Beautiful gift. And this is just when you pray for somebody and they get healed. Uh, it, it could be a one-time thing. Or it could be uh, that the gift resides with the person for, for a period of time. But you pray for a person and they get healed. I shared a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is only the second time in my life where I've seen this. But uh, I prayed for a lady who had had chronic pain for a decade. And it was, it was visible. You could tell she was in a lot of pain. And as we prayed, she just got set free and, and was, was completely healed from that affliction for, uh, after 10 years. Uh, this gift is for today and is beautiful. Uh, Rob and Fred. You remember them? Uh, they spoke here with me uh, about two months ago. Crazy, crazy, crazy people. Uh, but I love them. And, and they, they tend to move in this gift quite a bit. In fact, just this last week, and I'm always in constant contact with these guys, they prayed for a lady, I think it was on Tuesday, and she had melanoma in both of her eyes and was going blind. They prayed for her. On Friday, I got this text that she had gone to the doctor that morning, and th there's no trace of melanoma in, in either of her eyes. It's completely he healed. Amen. 
That is the gift of healing. The gift of healing, and it's for today. Then we have uh, the prophecy, the gift of prophecy. This is just when a person speaks. Uh, they're speaking, and God anoints their speaking. Uh, they speak the word of God. A lot of people think that prophecy is about you know, foretelling the future. And it's not primarily about that. It's just whenever you speak a word that, that, that builds up and encourages the church. Uh, and Paul sees this as really the, the, the most important gift because of, of its potential to strengthen the church and to encourage others. You're speaking, and, and God just kind of infuses that with, with authority. You're speaking the word of God in a bold way. And it's not just when preachers do it. This gift is available to the church at large in any kind of context. God may use you, if you're open to this, to say a word that just comes from him. And you'll know that because it lands. It's like, boom. It's, just, it's got a weight to it. Like, that, that didn't come from you. That's... Your words don't have any weight, but this has weight. And it's, it's, it's a prophetic word. Um, when I was in Hungary a couple weeks ago, I was giving this teaching to our wonderful podrishners. We love you, podrishners. And we had some of them gathered for this conference there. And in one of the teachings, um, I got about a quarter of the way through the message. And there's a point that I thought was going to be a minor point, but I really felt led by the Spirit to hover on this. Uh, to just start like expounding on it, talking about it. And so I just stepped out and started t- expounding on it. And before you know it, this, the message was done. I mean, the rest of the message was on that point, and uh, I, I never proceeded beyond that. But it landed. I mean, people described it in a good way as being slaughtered, or one person was said it was like heart surgery. This God was just dissecting our heart and, and, and getting at things that, that we didn't even know were there and people got set free and it was just a, a, a kind of a beautiful moment. There was something about it. And then because I, of all that feedback, I went back to my hotel room to write down what I said. It's like, I got I to remember that. And I couldn't for my life remember what I said. It's the only time that this has ever happened. I, to this day, I can't tell you what I said. I, I, I got my pen and I went to write. It's like, I, it was like a dream I had or something. I hope they made a tape of it, because I'm told it was really good, and I'll play it for you sometime. <laughs> but I, I, I think that's a prophetic word. When, bam, the, the Spirit just sort of takes over, and, and you listen to... Sometimes that happens when I'm preaching, and it's like I'm listening to myself. It's like, where'd that come from? Well, there's another good one. You know, and that's, so if I were to say, though, well, that's a good point, it's not because I'm bragging. I'm, I'm, I'm observing this. It's like, whoa, that, that came out just right. So... Usually it doesn't come out just right, but once in a while it does. So hallelujah, thank God for that. Then there's a distinguishing between spirits. And uh, most people believe that this is about, and I think rightly, being able to discern kind of what's going on in the spiritual realm. You just have a sense. Uh, you know, God's involved in this, or maybe the enemy's involved in this. And you've got to be careful if you have this gift about how you use it and, 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 and really ask God to give you a word of wisdom about that. And you have to be careful that you don't end up judging people. It's about what's going on in the spiritual realm, never individuals. But um, my wife, I think, has uh, sometimes had this gift. Uh, when I was in grad school, I was an assistant pastor at this church. Um, and the senior pastor had left. And so we were getting candidates to, you know, try to be the senior pastor. And this one guy came in and gave a pretty good message. And uh, uh, most people liked him. He met with some of the leaders later on that day, and, and Shelly, this is, we're interacting with him, and she says as soon as she shook, shook his hand, she got the heebie-jeebies about him, like, like ooh, like a chill. Um, and I, I didn't get that at all, but, but she had a strong sense that there's something wrong here, something corrupt. Now, the guy ended up getting in on one vote, which most pastors wouldn't do, but he won by one vote, came in, 
And uh, I and the other assistant pastor working with this guy, after about three months, we began to really see that there's some corruption going on. Some nasty, nasty, corrupt stuff. Uh, money disappearing from one fund and showing up in their curtains and things like that. And, and so we had to finally blow the whistle on this guy and then and we had to resign and, and uh, the church ended, this guy ended up driving this church into the ground. Uh, see, if I had to do it over again, I would have, we didn't do anything with that word that Shelley got, but I, I, if I had to do it over again, I would have maybe said, let's go talk to the board and, and, uh, and share this because maybe others have had this, you know, there's confirmations of, of this. Uh, but as it is, but that, 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 that's a gift. You just kind of get a sense that there's something right or there's something wrong about what's going on. Then there is the ability to speak in different kinds of languages, tongues. This means you're able to speak in a language that you did not learn. And Paul says it can be a tongue of, of, of humans or of angels. It can be an angelic language. Uh, but it's just that, that a, a supernatural gift that God gives to his people. It's, this is kind of bizarre, but when I first came to Christ... June 29th, 1974, long time ago. Um, I, I, I responded to this young lady who was giving her first sermon, and she was so nervous. And, and it, this is one of the reasons why I'm really big on women uh, preachers is don't tell me they can't be used by God to save people. I'm, a, I'm an example. Exhibit A. And so she was up there just kind of reading. She was kind of nervous and just kind of reading her, her thing. Uh, but man, God convicted the daylights out of me, and I went up to the altar, and I surrendered my life to Christ. Wasn't even sure what that meant. But right after I'd done this, I began to hear myself speaking in a different language. Um, and I had heard about speaking in tongues like a week before, but I'd never heard anyone do it. So I, but it was coming out of me. I, I, I don't know what language it was, but I'm kind of surprised by this. But I'm happy, but I look around and everybody is like celebrating, yay, jumping up and down. So I figure this must be pretty good. And, uh, and, and, and that's, that, that's, that's the gift, just being able to speak in a language that, that um, others don't or that you never learned. And then there's the interpretation of tongues, which is just in a public setting when someone speaks in tongues, and we'll get to this a little bit later on, Paul says someone should, must interpret it because when you come together, it's always about what benefits the whole, never an individual. And so it's supposed to be interpreted. Um, and so this is a, a gift of the Spirit where you're able to understand what another person's saying when they're speaking in tongues, even though you never learned that language. So it's kind of like there's two miracles going on here, uh, speaking in a different language and then being able to understand that language. And I had that gift one time in my life, uh, way back when. Um, we had this church service, and uh, at the end of it, we were all praying for one another. Uh, whoever had a need, they said, I have a need, and then people gather around and pray. So I and this guy I didn't know were praying for this guy, who I also didn't know. But he had a need. And as we're praying for him, the other guy, who I didn't know, starts to talk to him in a different language. Um, he's kind of praying, but kind of talking to him. It was kind of strange. And the guy's just kind of listening as he's talking in this uh, different language. But as he's talking, I knew what he was saying. And it wasn't that I had a word-for-word kind of translation thing. Um, it, it was rather, I had the whole paragraph. I could just sense the, the meaning of it. Um, but it was like the whole, the whole concept was there. So as soon as he's done, I start sharing with this guy what he said. And I explained that this was an interpretation. And um, the interpretation was that God loves you very, very much and is very concerned with you because there's a relationship that you're in that's bringing about, that's leading you down a road of destruction. And that was like a boom. Because this guy was a Christian, but he started sleeping with this girl that wasn't 
by any stretch of the imagination. And she was, in fact, leading him uh, away from the faith and down a road of destruction. So this landed, like God sees this and is concerned about you. And the guy made a commitment right there to break off this relationship. This is how the gifts of the Spirit can work. Um, and they're important for today. But not everyone agrees with that. And so here's issue number one. There's a group, they're sometimes called cessationists. And it could be that some people listening through podcasts or maybe even in the auditorium here fall into this camp. Cessationists. They believe that the gifts have ceased. They're not for today. It's usually like uh, fundamentalists, especially fundamentalist Baptists who hold this view. Uh, the gifts were there to get the church off the ground, but after that, boom, they're done. And so all the stuff you see today going on, that's just psychological mumbo-jumbo. Um, yeah, the gifts ended. Now, I'll say two things in response to that. Number one, they're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, they're still happening today, okay? Tell, that, tell the two ladies I just mentioned who got healed that healing doesn't happen today. It's going to be a hard sell, I think. You know, it's, it's, look at what people are experiencing these things, uh, and, and you're seeing the results of this, and, and words of knowledge are landing in, in incredible ways. It's kind of hard to argue that these things don't happen. It'd be like saying, hey, Greg, do you know that that stand doesn't exist? It doesn't exist. Oh, no, I think you're wrong. I, 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 non-existent things don't look like this. They don't feel like this. They don't hold a paper. The fact that I'm experiencing it means that your theory is mistaken. And so the fact that people are experiencing this stuff all over the place means that that theory is simply mistaken. End of discussion. But in case you're not yet convinced, uh, here's the second thing. Since these folks like to base everything on the Bible, even if it's against their experience, here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. This is like one passage I could give out of a number of them. But Paul here says, In everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and in all knowledge. Even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, listen to this now, so that you are not lacking in any gift, charisma, there's that word, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's just one of the ways Paul refers to the second coming. Now this statement presupposes that Paul is assuming that the charisma gifts are going to be operative until the Lord returns. And he's kind of congratulating the Corinthians because they're not lacking in any charisma as they're eagerly awaiting the return of Jesus. And so it's my understanding that until Jesus comes back, and so far as I know, he hasn't come back yet, uh, until he returns, the gifts are supposed to be operating in the church. These gifts are for today. Now, at least to a, 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 another issue here. Most of the, the, the churches, most of the denominations that don't experience the gifts of the Spirit, it's not because they have a philosophy against it. It's rather that they adopt sort of a slogan that was coined by A.B. Simpson, who was the founder of Christian Missionary Alliance back in the beginning of the 20th century. He said, our posture should be, forbid not, seek not. These groups understand that there's no good grounds for saying that the gifts ended, but they're also not really eager to see them happen. And so the philosophy is sort of, as one person said to me, look, if God wants to send, give us the gifts of the Spirit, then he'll give us the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, whatever, if it happens, it happens. But we're not going to go after it. If God wants to do it, then, then, then we'll let God do it. Um, I submit to you that that is not the correct biblical posture. Jesus said, seek and you shall find. He didn't say, sit on your butts and it will come to you. Right? God wants us to seek him and stuff. And Paul recommends this attitude. He says that we're supposed to be zealous for these things. Zealous for these things. And so, for example, he says this in 14.1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire, 
the gifts of the Spirit. He uses the word there, zelao, especially prophecy, because that's the one that could do the most good. Zelao. We get the word zealous from it. Be zealous for the gifts. And again, he says this uh, a few verses later. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager, zelao, uh, to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So it seems to me that this goes way beyond uh, this sort of case sarah sarah attitude. If it happens, it happens. If God wants to give it, he'll give it. If, uh, don't forbid, but also don't seek. No, Paul is saying seek. Seek, desire these things. We're supposed to want these things. Uh, if, look, at if God has them for us, they must be important. Uh, there's a value here. And so we're to pursue God on these things. And why wouldn't we? I mean, if, 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 if it's possible today to walk in the power of the Spirit, why would people not want that? If it's possible to be, uh, you know, uh, seeing God speak to folks in supernatural ways through a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, uh, why would we not want that if it's possible to see people being healed today? And, and seeing miraculous things being done and people being given the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't we be zealous for everything God has for us? Huh? And so the attitude is not sort of wait, wait and see. We're to reach out for this. We're to reach out for this because God sees that this is important. Do you know that, that the, the, uh, the fastest growing segment of, of Christianity today is with the Pentecostal charismatic movement? All over the world, it's the fastest growing. And I, I, I think there's a reason for that. Now, I don't agree with all the beliefs and the practices that go on in the Pentecostal and the charismatic movement. But, you see, what I've observed is that folks who grab onto this, who seek these gifts, who are used by the Spirit in these ways, they tend to have a fire about them that groups that don't do that have. Uh, there, there's an energy there. And the reason is because if you're walking in these gifts, if this is a reality that you experience, you're rubbing shoulders with the supernatural all the time. And when folks rub shoulders with the supernatural all the time, it produces a fire. It feels real to you. You know, God's not just a theory or a mere belief that you have. No, God's an experienced reality, you see. And, and, and so these folks will have a fire, which is why they, they share their faith more than other folks. Uh, most Christians have this sort of a, a, a belief. We believe in these creeds. Wonderful. But they experience the world pretty much the way everyone else experiences the world. And so... They're motivated by true beliefs, and thank God for the true beliefs. But folks, when you begin to experience the reality of what you're believing, when the Spirit isn't just sort of a theory, but, 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 uh, but rather a, a, a reality in your life, and you see the consequences and the things that He does for you, well, that puts a fire in you, and we need that fire. We need that fire. Amen. And I, I would love, I would love to hear more and see more of folks being healed through Woodland Hills. I'd love to see people talking about how they were blessed because of a word of knowledge here and a word of wisdom there and a prophetic word there and the gift of healing here and, 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 and getting the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. We need that. Christianity was never supposed to be just sort of a lifestyle, though it is that, but it's more than a lifestyle. It, it, we're inaugurating into this world a new reality. It's the reality of the Holy Spirit, all that Jesus has done. And it's manifested through supernatural power. We need the supernatural power. Praise God. Now, here's, here's, here's a, 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 something we confront, even as we're seeking uh, uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Here's an obstacle that we in the West all face. Um, we tend to be, frankly, control freaks of our brain. We're control freaks. This is our brain. And we're, we're conditioned by a culture that tells us that everything that goes on between our ears is our own doing. So nothing supernatural can get in. Uh, we do our own think, and we like it that way. We're, we're control freaks. Uh, and we have our own plans. Everything between our ears is something we have done. It's our own plans, our own schemes, and, and all of that. We're constantly chatting to ourselves. 
And see, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is not a coercive spirit. God is never coercive. Uh, God's not going to just jump into your brain and start screaming at you, trying to scream out your own thoughts. Hey, I got something I want to give you. He's not going to do that. He's not going to you know, just barge in there and, and grab your tongue and make you speak in tongues or take over your brain so then speak a word of knowledge through you. Know, so you're in a trance or something. He, he's not invasive like that. He wants to be our partner in all things, never our manipulator. And so it means we have a part in this. Uh, if, if, if God's going to use us in these supernatural ways, we've got to make space for him. Like last week I talked about how if we want to be filled with the Spirit, we've got to empty ourselves of everything else that's contrary to the Spirit. So also with our brain. If, if we're going to be hearing from God and being used by God and responding to God, we've got to create space there that is listening. Which means there's a time when you just got to shut up. Shut up and listen. I had a friend tell me years ago, he, he told me he, he felt led to be seeking God for the gift of, of tongues, a prayer language, as he called it. And, um, and he told me he'd been seeking this for several months. And he says, sometimes I just feel this urge to just start like really praying vigorously, but turn, turning off my own language making mechanism. I, I, I just start like doing that. And, and sometimes, in fact, it gets hard to, to even pray in English anymore. But then I, I wonder, is this, could this could be the real gift? Could this be it? Or am I just trying to trick myself? Maybe I'm just trying to trick myself. And then the urge goes away. And I went, doi, der. You see, the minute you start, what, what he's doing there is he's grabbing back control of his brain. He wants to be lord of his brain. The minute, he's now filling his brains with his thoughts. And so God can't get a word in edgewise. And so I said this to him, I go, look, do you believe the Holy Spirit's real? And do you have good reason to believe that the gifts of the Spirit are real? And you have good reason to believe that speaking in tongues is real? And he says, yes, I do. I go, well, then having settled that, give your brain permission to shut up about it. There's a time to really think these things, do I really believe this? And once you've settled that this is real, now there's a time to seek it. And when you're seeking it, stop asking this question because you've already resolved it. Give yourself permission to shut your brain up and now experience the very thing that you think is, is, is real. Amen. Folks, folks, there's a time to talk and there's a time to shut up. <laughs> and that applies everywhere, all right? It says you've got to let your brain shut up. And so when you're feeling a prompting, feel, the Holy Spirit speaks through images, through subtle, you know, intuitions, through a sense. And we need to shut our brains up, stop asking the question, and step out. Amen? And that is when you'll find that you can begin to be used by God in, in some of these supernatural ways. Now, I know this makes some people nervous. They get very, very nervous. I bet some of you are nervous. Uh, I bet some politicians are nervous because you maybe come from churches that had the gifts of the Spirit, but they were wacko churches. Some of us come from, like, my first church. God, God used, thank God he uses wacko churches. Uh, some of us are a product of wacko churches. But they're wacko. And, and so you associate the gifts of the Spirit with all sorts of bad stuff or crazy stuff or weird stuff or spooky stuff or manipulative stuff. And now you're worried, oh, is this the direction that Woodland Hills is going to go? Are they going to become one of those churches and people? Is Greg going to start doing cartwheels on the stage? Or he's speaking in tongues and prophesying? And people are going to be swinging, swinging from the speakers and we'll be getting gold fillings in our teeth and, and angel deaths falling down and people jumping over pews and running the aisles and spinning and, and turning into whirling dervishes. Swirling dervishes. Whatever. No, we're, we're not going to do that. I, I don't think you have to worry about that. I'd actually like to take an inch or two in that direction. We could use a little more looseness dancing around here, all right? Just two, we're too, too restricted. 
But I, I get the concern. I come from the concern. I, I, I get, uh, believe me, I, I've been there. I've done that. I've, I've been crazy. I've been part of the crazy club. Uh, man, uh, I, 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 but see, here's, here's what we got to be careful of. Don't throw the charismatic baby out with the crazy bathwater. All right? The, the, the solution to wacko is not nothing. The solution to wacko use of the gifts is the right use of the gifts. And see, Paul gives us instructions about this. Um, he, 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 the problem with the, you know, the Corinthians were a wacko church. You know that? That's why Paul wrote this stuff in the book of Corinthians. They were, he even calls them wacko. In one loose translation of a term he uses. No, he says this. Uh, uh, he says, look at, if, if you come together and everyone's speaking in tongues at the same time, because that's what they were doing. They get together, everyone's speaking in tongues. Another verse that suggests that they were all kind of singing their own songs and some were prophesying. So you had mayhem, craziness going on. And Paul says, look, if an outsider, an inquirer, or a believer comes in and, and, and sees you doing that, they're going to think you're mad. You're out of your mind. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. Uh, you're out of your mind. Um, and so he then, but he never questions the genuineness of their gifts. He assumes that the gifts are genuine. They're just being misused, which is kind of an interesting thing. God gives you the gift. And while you have to surrender part of your mind over to receive that gift and respond to the gift, you have to let go of, 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 of the control freak thing, he still leaves you with the on and off button. So there's a time and a place. You, you get to determine when and how you use that gift. You're still in control. He doesn't take you over and turn you into a trance or something like that. No, you're still, that's why he says at one point, um, he says, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. I love that verse. The spirit of the prophet. In other words, he's saying, I don't want to hear from you guys. You can't help yourself. People say that all the time. I couldn't help myself. In fact, in our church, I never once remember this verse being talked about in my first church. Um, we, we loved to get out of control. Uh, that, that was our MO, you know, because we, we did stuff we wouldn't do if we were in control. And, and so you could always just say, oh, the Holy Spirit came on me. I couldn't help myself. I had to run. I had to bark. I had to jump. I had to, I just, and, 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 and you see crazy stuff. You see, you guys know what I'm talking about. Crazy stuff. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We had this one gal, man, when the Holy Ghost came on her, she started twirling her head like this and going around like a, like a top, like a spiral. And the thing was, in this church, women couldn't cut their hair. At least they weren't supposed to, but they cheated all the time. But they, were, they would get down like to their ankles. So when she turned into a swirling dervish, man, people got slapped in the face. Like, shoot, got, you heard a whiplash. This is hair lash. People getting slain by the hair. <laughs> Bulldoze over. Woo! And she'd be screaming. And oh, mayhem. Man, this one service, I remember this guy, he was a military guy, and uh, real reserved and all that. And the song is going on, and people are starting to get excited, and some people are jumping around. And he starts going like this, and then he starts tapping, you know, uh, on the pew, and he starts whistling. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost got him. And he, starts, he jumps out of the pew screaming, going, ah, like this, with his hands like this. And he runs around the church like this, going all over. It's crazy. And then the other guy in, in the front pew jumped over the, that pew, where we are, kind of crowding us out. And he starts banging on the back of the pew, going, Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost coming on me now. I know. Some of the folks who have never experienced anything like that are going, what? But some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it's, and I remember at the end of that service, Shelly and I were just starting to date. And we talked about it. And so she said, um, 
okay, if someone came in to the church who didn't know anything about us, wouldn't they think that was crazy? If that wasn't crazy, what would crazy look like? <laughs> and she had a good point. It was like, okay, gotcha. I, I think what was really going on there, and I bet some of you can make this, we weren't allowed to do anything in this church. We couldn't have fun on anything. We could go to baseball games or dancing or concerts or even bowling alleys. I don't know why. We weren't allowed to do anything except eat. And so we have so much pent-up energy. You know, it's so restrictive. It's so repressed. This is just like a socially appropriate way that we can let our— You got to go crazy once in a while. Well, if you can't do it at rock concerts, do it at church. Woo! Just go nuts. So I, I think we just a lot, of re, a lot of repressed stuff going on there. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Okay, so it's not like, you can't say, oh, I just couldn't help myself. You know, that happens in other places with, with, with you know, in cults and stuff. But God never takes completely over our mind. Yes, we have to yield to him, but he leaves us in the driver's seat. And um, we had a guy here a couple of years ago who just started speaking in tongues really, really loudly. And here's, the, here's, here's i got to say this about this, this context here. Um, when Paul gives instructions about how and when to use the gifts, he says, no more than two, or at the most three, to speak in tongues, and there's got to be an interpreter there, he says. There's got to be an interpreter. Otherwise, if someone's just speaking in tongues on their own, yeah, they're getting blessed, but every, everyone else just kind of has to wait. Like, like, it's not for the good of the whole. That's why Paul says at one point, I think it's verse 18. He says, I, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And the Corinthians spoke in tongues a lot, so Paul was a tongue talker. Uh, I, I think I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words. Because in church, it's always got to be about the good of the whole. And the gifts are there to give to others. It's not to be self-indulgent. Things only get wacky when people start getting self-indulgent. Look at me, I'm getting blessed. <laughs> I'm getting blessed. Well, the purpose isn't to look at you getting blessed. You have to think about the good of the whole. And when Paul mentions church, he's thinking. You know, the church didn't have a building until the uh, fourth century. Uh, they met in each other's houses. And those houses could uh, hold 20 to 30 people at the most. And so when Paul thinks church, he's thinking a group of 20 to 30 people. Um, in fact, everything he says in the New Testament only makes sense if you put it in the context of 20 or 30 people. Because there's 57 one another's. 57. Love one another, bless one another, encourage one another, etc., etc. That presupposes a con an intimate context. And the early Christians, they were in a hostile environment, and they, they needed each other. They knew each other. And see, the gifts of the Spirit work very well in contexts like that. Uh, when you get into a context where you've got a thousand people in a room, they don't operate so well. I don't think they were ever intended for a group that large, just like we can't do any of the other one another's. The, one another, the gifts are part of the one another's that we're supposed to be doing uh, 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 in the kingdom. And so the amount of good that can happen when you're in, a, in an intimate group and there the gifts are operating, the amount of good that can happen is maximal. And the amount of harm, if, if the gifts get abused or misused, is minimal. You know, if, if Fred starts giving some weird prophecy about how aliens are going to invade, you, just, you know he didn't take his medication. You know, it's, it's no harm. <laughs> but if Fred stands up and, and none of us know him in the middle of a service and gives, starts giving a prophecy, well, we, there's no way to assess this. Uh, we don't know him. And if it's Flaco, now we've got to spend the rest of the service dealing with it. And so the whole service got hijacked. So our, our understanding is that when we come together in the weekend service, uh, this is like a corporate celebration. And, and the purpose here is simply to worship God together and to hear from his word. 
Um, when there's prayer time afterwards, there you might find the gifts sometimes operating because they are part of what they're intended for is our personal ministry, but uh, not in, in a large group context. When they're in a small group context, that's when they're supposed to be uh, used. And so Paul says, I think God, I speak in tongues more than all of you, but when, it, when, we, when we come together, I'd rather speak five intelligible words. And so that's why he says, if there's going to be a tongue in a, in a corporate context, 20 or 30 people, it needs to be interpreted. Uh, it has to be done where somebody who is there who is known to have the gift of interpretation. And the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So this guy I was talking about, um, in the middle of a worship service, he starts screaming in tongues. Uh, and I was hoping he'd like, blow off his steam really quickly, but he didn't. And he continued it through to the next song. So I came up to him and I said, sir, could you reel it back a little bit? Paul says at one point, he says, if, if there's no interpreter there, let the person speak to themselves and to God. In other words, it's okay to speak in tongues under your breath, as long as you're not distracting anybody, as long as you're not drawing attention to yourself, because the purpose of the service isn't you. And, and so speak to yourself. And, and so I said, could you really have back? Because it's kind of distracting. And he did, he did this like, like I was waking him out of a drunken stupor, and he goes, when the Spirit comes on me, I can't help myself, brother. The Holy Ghost is thick here. I said, thick or not, you can help yourself. <laughs> you're talking to me right now. Sober up, buddy. Get a cup of coffee or something. Uh, you got to reel it back. Uh, in, in that context, it's, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's not appropriate. So the gifts are real. They're for today. They need to be used, as Paul says, decently and in order. And they can be used decently in order as long as we remember that uh, God leaves us in the driver's seat on this. We can say when and how the gifts are used. But having said that, I want to reiterate again, I'll close with this. We need this, folks. This is stuff we need. I encourage us uh, to be zealous for the gifts. To go, God wants to be pursued. Go after this. This is good stuff. Clap whatever fear buttons you've got and go after this. And as you do so, give your brain permission to shut up. If you've resolved that this is real and true, then lock it in and now set it aside as you pursue God and listen to the hunches and the impressions that you get and, and, and flow with that. I encourage our small groups and our house churches uh, to start seeking this. Uh, ask God to pour out the gifts. See what happens there. Uh, you, you may find some beautiful, you will, I guarantee you, find some beautiful things happen as you let the Spirit speak through you and flow through you and you pray for one another and you see healings. We need that supernatural dimension in our house churches and in our small groups. And yes, if you've never done this before, it will feel weird. You know, gosh, we, we've always just played cards together. Now you want us to be praying and listening and getting words from God. That seems kind of weird. Well, deal with it, okay? Whatever you do that's new is going to feel weird. But if you're not willing to experience a little weirdness, you're just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And that's never of God. He always wants us to be growing. So step out. It may be a little weird at first, but you'll get used to it quick enough. And that's beautiful. And then finally, in our individual lives, um, you know, Jesus and the apostles, they were used of these gifts individually uh, as they go about their life, as they're doing ministry in the world. And I encourage us to seek God in the morning and say, God, however you want to use me today, Use me and help me stay awake all day so I'm listening to you. And you might find some pretty funky, beautiful things begin to happen as the Spirit begins to empower you to minister to others. Are you willing to seek God on this? Are you willing to be zealous? Are you willing to go after this? Are you willing to let the Spirit fall? Are you willing to let the God take over some of your inner world and use you in wonderful ways? All right. Uh, would you stand? Uh, I'd like to ask the prayer teams to come up here. And if you have any need whatsoever that could use prayer, I encourage you to come up here and, and pray with these folks. Um, and maybe it's about this. Maybe it's about you feeling like you're, God wants you to receive a particular gift or, or some gift. And you maybe want to pray about that. But it could be about anything else, uh, whatever need you have. And if you're here this morning and want to learn what it's like to be a follower of Jesus, what that is all about, 
because you've never committed your life to him, come up here and these folks will be glad to share that with you. As we leave here, can we do it as a people who are committed to being zealous for the gifts, pursuing God, wanting whatever God has for you, and to be used by you in any way, shape, and form he can? If you agree with that, say amen. 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 God bless you guys. Go out, empowered by the Spirit.